Good evening. Yes. Thank you for being here tonight. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And I'm wondering if Dr. Sinet got a sneak peek at my, my message here. He's praying there that we're salt and light. So we're looking at this Matthew chapter 5. We'll see this real quick here. This is something the Lord laid on my heart last week or so. And it just kind of built with some of the things that came out uh, from studying uh, these these descriptions of what Christ asked us to be uh, as disciples of his. But Matthew 5, look at verse 13, we'll go down through verse 16. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And so this passage gives us two quick examples uh, straight from Christ right here on the Sermon on the Mount. Salt and light, examples of our world that we can relate to a, a spiritual uh, context and spiritual reality. Um, but isn't this true of what Christ does, the way he teaches? Uh, if you remember back in John 4, or over in John 4, it, in verse 10, it says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So in this passage, salt, light, other passage, John, he's, he's water is an example. John 6, 33 and 35 says, For the bread of heaven, or bread of God is he, which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And Jesus saith unto him, I am the bread of life. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So these real life examples, um, and sometimes they're so practical that sometimes we just kind of race by them. Um, and so that's when Dr. Snett uh, prayed that tonight, uh, that we would be a salt and light. It, it really is. It's a, it's a practical aspect that we can relate quickly to a spiritual realm. And if you look at some of the characteristics is what kind of looking at tonight, you, you, you see a, a tighter or a more a closely uh, tied to important biblical truths. So in our example tonight, the salt and light. Let me give you a couple of examples. Let's talk about it. And then we'll kind of dive in and do that uh, kind of a comparison and see how that can relate to, to us and our lives. Salt and light. Salt is such a strong example of truth because salt is such a valuable asset, a uh, valuable commodity uh, over the years. Um, it's, it's been used to obviously flavor foods. Uh, that, that's probably what first comes to mind. Uh, we use this a little bit when I'm teaching apologetics or worldview, uh, talking about being salt and light and how you have to, uh, to speak for the Lord and be, an answer, be ready to give an answer and, and have action. And this, this comes out, and then they're ready to talk about food, you know, especially if it distracts from class time, you know, so they can get going. But food comes to mind first. Um, obviously, recently we had steak at the house, and I seasoned it with salt. I even dip it in some of the seasoning salt. That's, that's, that's a good added flavor. But the importance of salt goes beyond that. Um, it's been a commodity throughout civilizations. Um, been used to cleanse and purify, as well as preserve food. 
In regards to cleansing, um, you've probably uh, at some point put salt or salt water on a wound. Uh, Maybe swishing your mouth out with salt water to take care of a mouth sore or something like that. Or you've put salt directly on it. I've done that a few times. And and you know the effect of it. It's, it's, It's a quick purifier. Um, and stings quickly because of the action behind the salt. Um, some say it's, it's less a little caustic, a little quick, too harsh, uh, so maybe switch it out. But let me, I was reading a little bit on this, and maybe the description of why that works. When you put salt on a wound, sometimes it draws out the in bacteria, the thing that's inflaming the, the wound. There's a definition, an osmosis definition. I'm no scientist. I'm no science teacher. Uh, but it made sense to me a little bit in this definition. It says it's a movement of water from a less dense environment to a more dense environment through a semi-permeable membrane. Okay, let me go to my level. Salt water in practicality means that it kind of vacuums, this one article I was reading, the water from the cells causing the bacteria to dehydrate and die. So in the purification process, salt is able to kill off the bacteria, pulls away some of the the stuff that's infecting. So it's a a neat picture of some of the qualities of salt. Of course, salt has been a trading commodity all through humanity. Um, It's been as valuable as gold at time, almost as valuable. Uh, They said it's called the other white gold. Some people have called it. So gold has been, has, or salt has value, and we'll look at that. But also in this passage, we, look, we saw light. Well, what about light? Light is such a dependent source. And I know it's real practical, you know, that we're, we're sitting in a room filled with light. The light's shining. Uh, the light's coming down. It's an obvious to us. We, we go home, and the first thing we do is flip on lights if they're not already on. Because it's practical. It's, it's what it is. But Do you see how Christ is using practical things to relate to our lives and what he wants us to be? So light provides not only just a way to view the creation to keep us from tripping or stubbing our toes, but the importance goes a little further than that. Do you realize that it also affects the way plants grow? Uh, The nutrients that a plant gets, obviously gets it, has to have sunlight. We'll kind of compare that. So light produces uh, as a source for us. Um, and it can probably be said it's one of the most important elements of life on planet. Uh, if you didn't have it, we wouldn't have the plants. We wouldn't have the oxygen and the transfer of oxygen to carbon dioxide transfer there. Even artificial light that we have now in these last hundred years, no longer using candles like the verses reference. But these lights, what does it mean? So let's, let's kind of compare that to maybe the spiritual realm. Let's kind of take that. The light of the world first, and let's look at salt and see how we can come to a, a kind of a, a, a way that the Lord's teaching here, how we can be better disciples for him. So the light of the world, verse 14 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So let's start with the, the practical, the sun that shines our light throughout the day. It gives us the, the, the natural light that we need uh, for so many aspects. Um, it affects, again, it affects the plant life. 
It produces the glucose in there through that process of photosynthesis. And therefore, that energy is then used to nutrify the plant and create fruit, right? So the fruit that's come from a plant can be an example for us in our spiritual life. So light affects not only the plant life, it affects also in the way the plant grows. I know as a kid, uh, you may have had a teacher in school that, that illustrated the, the idea of when you move a plant away from a window or just around the corner from the window and there's enough light coming in, you see the plant grow toward the window. It's kind of a neat concept. So how can that relate to us? Well, think about light even on our, on our bodies, how it affects our bodies as a day-to-day operation. Well, doesn't light um, help us to have cycles or routines in life? Um, it produces something where we, we stay on cycle. We get our sleep when we need to get our sleep. We're awake and we're working when it's daylight. We're moving about. Exposure to sunlight produces the vitamin D, melatonin, things like this. It's probably why it's a good reason to go to the beach, take a vacation, go away for a few days, you know, lay out, enjoy the weather. Now, I'm not particularly a beach guy, um, even though I've grown up around it. Uh, I grew up in Chesapeake, down in Virginia Beach area. My parents weren't much, so we didn't go a lot. Moved down to Florida, went to college. I was there around Pensacola Beach. Still didn't go much. Moved over to Fort Pierce for a couple of years in, in South Florida. I don't know. Beach just doesn't connect with me. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's neat to be out there. But I know a lot of you do, and, and, and that's... You, you, when you go, it's, it's a relaxing time, but it's also a time that, that it, it, sunlight helps that. So again, we're going to apply this into a spiritual realm. Healthy sleep cycles produced from a light cycle. It also affects our mood. How many felt a little more gloomy today when that rain was coming down? Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, I'm sitting by a window. It's supposed to be nice. I can see. No, it's not. You don't enjoy it. It's, it's, or it's not as enjoyable as, as, as other days. So that's the light. That's the sun is the light of the physical earth. But what is Christ's life in the, in the spiritual world? The reality, the spiritual reality that, that works within us to make us that light that Christ is saying here, that we're supposed to be the light of the world. We're supposed to go out. Well, if you compare that to the same thing we just talked about with the physical light, isn't Christ's light produces that spiritual nutrients in us for our growth? Doesn't the, the, letting the light of Christ, his word working through us, doesn't that produce fruit? The fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22, 23. Uh, doesn't it cause us or should cause us to grow towards him or want to grow towards him more and more? How many times have you had that sweet fellowship with the Lord? Um, devotion, or you've been through some revival, or next week. Uh, that is, to me, one of the highlights uh, of come into Heritage these last couple years is, is seeing the missions conference and being a part of it. And I'm excited about next week. And aren't you just refreshed and you go home and you just want, you want more of the Lord? Because Christ's light is shining through us. Living in the light, it prepares, gives us proper routines of light, of life. Our body can rest in him from the stresses of life when we're resting in his light. Christ's light also gives us joy through those gloomy trials of life. Through those times in life where we're just, everything's hitting us. It just keeps coming and keeps coming. But if we're close to the light, then we become that reflection, that light that Christ wants us to be. John 16, 
Another illustration of this says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So Christ's light not only produces nutrients, it produces fruit, it helps us grow, it becomes us, makes us better disciples for him, be better lights. But it also, it helps us to know that he's overcome the world. So the challenges, the things that we, we confront, he's going to be there with us. Christ's light also gives us a place to rest in the shadow of the trials of life. So, uh, Luke 1, 7, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to give light or to guide our feet into the way of peace. So as disciples of Christ, we're supposed to let our light shine for him. And that's how we do it. We've got to stay close to the light so that we're the right reflection of the light. And so that light, we become the light as he works through us. Verse 16, here in the, in the text passage, I guess you could say, verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men. So now that we know how to get the light shining by staying close, close to Christ's light, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Isn't that what we pray for? We pray that we will be salt and light, that our church would be a salt and light into our community so that then we are producing fruit that God works through us and the world sees, and then they glorify God. They come see what what makes us different. What do we have that's different from what they may not have? So that's that as we grow in the light, God produces that fruit. That good works becomes the fruit that people see. Good, good things only come from God working through us and through the power that he gives us. We all know Romans 3.12 that says, Therefore, or there is none that doeth good, no, not one. So there's nobody that does good. So the good things, the good fruit, the good fruit, uh, produce, if you want to say, from uh, the fruit of our life has to come from Christ. The light that he shines and he produces in us. He's got to produce it through us. Okay, so that's the light. Now let's go back to the first part of that passage and, and, and salt. Because I want to finish up with this part as the second half of kind of this, this thought tonight. So back to verse 13 of chapter 5 there in Matthew. And it says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. This salt... Um, yeah, we read it and we try to be the salt. We try to be that, um, that characteristic that, that, er, that erodes the sin and pushes off the, the, the bacteria, the bad things in our culture. So how do we do it? But, and as you study through, and I looked up going through the Bible, looking at all the times that salt was used, and the references to salt, either Christ or in the Old Testament, the example that we'll see in just a minute, Salt is a great example of how Christ works and why we need him. First off, the salt, being the salt of the earth, we have to realize that we're in an earth that is filled with decaying effects of sin. This is nothing new. And we all know that as believers, the, sin is, the world is filled with sin. And we're, we have to do something about it. So how, we can't control the sin without the Lord's help. Food not eaten begins to decay quickly. 
obviously setting out uh, food, leaving out food. If you've had kids that have left something in their lunchbox for a week, um, or maybe you went through the whole summer and you woke, come back in September. I hadn't had that one. I was been pretty close, but no. What about uh, we lived in Florida for a while and you had the hurricanes. And hurricanes, you can usually last three days if you don't open your fridge or your freezer. After that, everything's in the trash and it spoils quickly. And so we know this decay, this decay of food. Isn't that a picture of sin and how it decays in our life and in our world? Sin is that spiritual bacteria we need to kill. Uh, sin attacks the good that God created. All that we have, I mean, the, the creation of the world, I, I teach this in, in apologetics and worldview, that before the fall of man, everything was good. God said it was very good because God created it. Sin corrupted it. Sin decayed it. So how do we get that back? Sin will decay uh, in several areas. We're going to look real quickly. Sin will decay, dec- sorry, decay our lives. We begin to, begin to think differently. We act differently. We end up speaking differently. We react differently. When sin steps into our life, or we don't take care of the sin on a regular basis, then it begins to change us and our actions, our reactions, our speech. Uh, Raising kids or being around children, uh, you know when one of them turns naughty or not doing right, or they've got that gleam in their eye like, I'm going to get away with something. You, you, you know it is, and you, you see their actions change because that's what sin does. It decays their thinking. It, it decays their actions. It decays our reasoning, our thinking skills. Uh, being able to, to think properly as God wants us to, to do, we're not able to if sin's in our, in our life. First Peter 3.15 says we need to be able to give a reason of the hope that is in us. But if we're not reasoning and thinking properly according to God, His Word, and let sin in, then our reasoning is going to be off. Our actions become hypocritical. Do you remember when Peter, on the night that Christ was being scourged before His time on the cross, he was led into sin. He fell into sin when he was tempted, when they were accusing him of being a disciple. I mean, sin changed his actions. You're looking at Peter going, that's not the Peter from a couple weeks ago when he was walking with Jesus. And it wasn't the Peter that was 40 days later either, when at the Pentecost. So sin corrupts, and if we've got to be careful. So how do we get rid of it? Sin decay will all decay our culture. I won't spend much time on this. We know this. The nation of Israel, what happened when Moses was gone just for 30 days? The decay happened quickly down below. The promoting, the teaching, and indoctrinating of children with sinful lifestyles. Our culture is just changing quickly. You don't have to live long to see this decay. 40, 50, 60 years ago is a different world. Uh, I'm not that old yet. Uh, but I was looking, uh, my dad passed away in 2015 um, of cancer. Lasted about five years of pancreatic. And we praise the Lord for that. That, that's, that was a rarity. But as I was at the house and I was looking through some of his things, I had never seen his, his high school yearbook. So I got to pull it out. 1966, graduated from high school right across the... Potomac in Indian Head, Indian Head, Maryland, uh, over there at the high school. And um, open it up and surprised me to see that the principal and vice principal, name listed there, had a verse underneath their name. Public school. But that was the culture that it was, was that 60 years ago range? 50, 60. 
So we know our culture has declined quickly because of sin, the way sin has enveloped our thinking. But how are we supposed to be salt of the earth? How has this salt come in? So let me give you an example. Turn to Leviticus chapter 2. Leviticus chapter 2. This was new to me in a lot of ways. I, I think I'd heard it before, but definitely not seeing it in this aspect. Um, so in Luke chapter 2, I'm sorry, Leviticus chapter 2, look at verse 11. Leviticus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, No meat offering which ye shall bring unto the Lord shall be made with leaven, for ye shall burn no leaven nor any honey, in any offering of the Lord made by fire. I think we know that. We know the, the picture of leaven. Leaven is the sin, a picture of sin. Uh, we, it, it's, it's that example. Well, all the way back in Leviticus. But I want you to look at verse 13. And it says, Every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering. With all thy offerings thou shalt offer salt. Again, I had seen that. I'd gone through some studies and some things, but I don't know that I'd associated the two together yet. So salt, as, as some of the commentators I was reading, is kind of an opposite to leaven. And if we can get this picture, it'll kind of help us see how we can get rid of sin and keep sin out and, and give us a new picture of being a salt in, our, in, our, in the world and the earth around us. Leaven was forbidden, salt was required. It has a reversing effect. Sin corrupts, sin decays, but then salt, doesn't it jump back in and salt is the cleansing. Uh, Going back to the illustration of the osmosis, that's what kind of got me thinking. It kind of vacuums out that sin. It kind of pulls out the bad, the sin, and dries it up because it's from Christ. It's a picture of Christ telling us to be the salt like he is, uh, as an example here. Because of sin, humans are unsavory without Christ in their life. Just as every meat sacrifice had to be seasoned with salt, under this salt of the covenant of thy God, we should also allow the cleansing salt of Christ to purify us. So this cleansing comes in us, but then you remember Romans 12, verses 1 and 2? We're supposed to be a living sacrifice. See how the connection can, we can take going from the Old Testament sacrifice. The salt was used there. Christ says to be the salt of the earth in the New Testament. And what are we? We're living sacrifices. So we should have the salt of Christ working through us, cleansing us, is that picture that I believe Christ is trying to show us. It's that cleansing part that lets us have that testimony. It restores that fellowship that was lost because of sin. Turn with me to the last, last thing, Mark chapter 9, and we'll finish up here. Mark chapter 9. Get on to verse 49 and verse 50. Mark 9, 49 and 50. And it says, verse 49, For everyone shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its saltness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace 
one with another. It's an interesting comparison, isn't it? If your salt has lost its saltness, has lost its flavor, I think that's just Christ not in us at that point. Christ's salt hasn't cleansed our sin, hasn't re- removed the things that are affecting our purity, our testimony. So every believer, as a believer, we all need to have this salt, this purifying done. The Holy Spirit working through us to remove those things. And this is where I wanted to end up in verse 50, that last phrase. And have peace one with another. The purification process can produce a sweet fellowship. It produces that cleansing because the, the sin is worked out of our lives. And if we're all in agreement and all doing what Christ asks us to do, the Spirit is leading, the Spirit is working, we can be ready. We can be ready to have that peace with others. We can display God's example that He wants us. Every day when we offer our lives as a sacrifice, let's salt it with God's Word and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. Let's allow Him to work. And so as we're heading into next week with Missions Conference, these missionaries are coming here to try to be a blessing to us. But I think it's just as important or more that we are a blessing to them. That we lift them up, uh, that we come with sweet fellowship, uh, that we, we prepare ourselves in a way that, that can be an example of Christ to them. So Job 6.6 6 also mentions it. He said, Job said, Can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? Practicality, no. No, you need salt on your food. Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? Let me remind you of Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. So if we follow God's command to be salt and light, if we allow Christ to purify us and let the light, his light, produce the nutrients that we can stand against the sin of this world, the culture, and the change of it all, then we change our culture to what Christ wants. We salt it. We start removing uh, the, the ill effects of the sin. So I hope that's an encouragement. I know that was something that, um, uh, that Christ spoke about. Salt and light. And Dr. Snett, just praying about it. What a, what a great example of how the Lord works.